Welcome to the Singer's Tension Podcast. I'm Jordan Erickson, and my guest today is Nicole Ross. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. This is the podcast by singers for singers. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what your background is? Yeah. Okay. So as Jordan said, my name is Nicole. Um, I'm an opera singer. I am a graduate of McGill University's Classical Voice Performance Program. Um, and now I, I have a bit of a portfolio artist career, I would say. Mm. I do a lot of different things. Um, this year I've collaborated a bit with orchestra, with string quartet, doing a bit of new music. So modern music that's just been composed, but is still in the classical music sort of field. But also lots of traditional opera roles as well. Um, I'm a coloratura soprano, which means that I specialize in the highest and most florid, most um, busy repertoire in the more classical part of opera um so I sing lots of that um I also did a fellowship with the Association for Opera in Canada this year um and got to sort of dabble a bit with arts admin work um with a bit of concert curation grant writing and trying to come up with ideas and plans for new opera in the future that's so cool and McGill you think it's one of the best programs for voice in the country as I think a lot of people don't know anything about going to school for opera lots of people don't even know that you can go to school for opera yeah it happens so often or they're they're like oh what's your degree and what'd you go to school for I say opera and they're like you went like you can go to school for opera I'm like yeah for sure you can they're like well what's your degree called I say no it's called opera like that's the degree yeah like every uber driver ever Really? Yeah. Okay, I don't really talk to my Uber drivers. Like I just, yeah. <laughs> I like the peace and quiet. Yeah. And now if you're on it and you're on the Uber comfort or whatever, it will ask you if you want the Uber driver to yeah. talk to you. <laughs> Please don't. Which is so funny. Just on the way here, mm-hmm. uh, the Uber was quite hot. And I was mm-hmm. like, could you turn on the AC? Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's for Uber comfort. And so I said to him, I was like, so I don't deserve AC. Oh my gosh. And he just like said something about how it's more expensive, blah, blah, blah. And I was my like, goodness. so are you going to turn it on or not? And then he did. Did. Okay. It, it was just, you. anyways, all that <laughs> to say, what, uh, what is it like going to school for opera? Like, what does that degree look like? And what kind of training do you do? Yeah. Okay. So in my first and second year at McGill, it was mostly just like building good technique to be able to do the other things later in the degree. So like working one-on-one with a teacher, really focusing on technique. And then later, maybe end of first year and second year, really like building your repertoire. So trying to just get as much of this very specific music learned as possible. And then in the third and fourth year, I got to be a part of Opera McGill, which was the opera studio. So we did full productions. Um, We did sort of training in how to audition, like what that looks like, what your CV should look like, what even like what you should wear, like all of these details, which are so unique to opera. And then we, obviously the rehearsals for the opera were really like training based too like we got to see how an opera rehearsal might run how a pianist might sort of direct you in a different way than a conductor or than like a voice teacher for example Mm. and then like movement stage craft like stage combat all of these things were Mm. kind of a part of it so it was very well-rounded I feel very lucky to have gone to this program and gotten this training what is opera training entail how do you feel that that builds your voice what are you focusing on what makes opera training opera training um I would say like just the real attention to the aesthetic of the style and the required technique to produce that aesthetic is really important so I think it was always like a big concern of mine to like think about the breath think about how my voice is going to be amplified with the orchestra or not necessarily amplified but how 
can I make my voice become an instrument of the orchestra and be heard and be mingling with these other timbres and stuff. Um, so that was definitely like really important. Um, and also just opera has so many styles. Like to say like I sing opera is almost like equal to saying like I do movies. <laughs> there's so many different kinds of movies and therefore there's also so many different kinds of opera. Hmm. So like learning about kind of the aesthetics of each different era of opera and how they might be super, super different or kind of like lending more to each other. Mm. And technique wise, you mentioned breath. Is there anything else that's a major focus that you feel defines opera singing specifically that you have worked on? Um, definitely vowels in different languages. I think like mm. if there's like three pillars of singing, there's like the breath and then the vowels and probably like the phonation. I think in opera is Basically, like the way that the vocal cords come together is more intense in the operatic style than it is necessarily in pop music or jazz music or styles where we have microphones. Mm. Definitely a hallmark of that is because of the need for amplification in opera. But it's like the beautiful tone that you create in doing that is definitely a hallmark of the operatic style. Mm -hmm. So you said you find your chords coming together is more intense. Can we like crack that open? Mm -hmm. what, what does intense mean in that uh, context? Yeah, I think it mostly just means that, like, you feel a little bit more in terms of, like, vibration. You might feel vibration on the front of your throat. You might feel vibration across your cheekbones and your nose in a way that perhaps if you're singing without thinking about as much amplification in mind, you might be able to have a lighter sound or a more gentle sound and just have that be a choice a little bit more, mm. whereas in opera it's a little bit more like okay I need to be heard and there's an oboe there or there's brass or something and it's low in my register so therefore I need to commit a little bit more to maybe a heavier tone mm -hmm. than you might if you knew that you're being amplified and just with piano or with strings or something else. Yeah there's obviously that necessity to be heard over the orchestra and I think there's a fear of people pushing or they, mm -hmm. they'll say when they come into lessons, I feel like I'm screaming. But in a lot of ways, opera is like a finessed scream. You have mm. that much power behind it. And that's a huge learning curve for students as they come in for these lessons. Mm -hmm. And they are almost scared to utilize their whole voice. Yeah. And by the end, even by the first lesson, a lot of times I get students into their chest voice and into their power. And they say, I, I feel like I'm being very loud. I say, well, you are, but that's your voice voice and yeah. you've just never used it before mm -hmm. uh, and then you get used to you know being a loud child or a loud adult like it, it's fascinating to me when an opera singer is more like quiet and reserved yeah. and then they get on stage and then it's this insane power. Mm -hmm. But you do find, especially with men, I find that they speak where they sing from. Mm -hmm. So they always have a very loud voice. And my parents and my sisters always gave me a hard time about uh -huh. how loud I was all the time. And I'd say, I don't even realize it. Like mm -hmm. it just comes out. And so <laughs> I don't know, you get excited and then you have all this, all this sound coming out of your body mm -hmm. and other people are like why are you so loud all of a sudden you're like I really don't notice yeah, it I'm just phonating I'm, I'm I'm just really connected <laughs> to the voice today I don't know why <laughs> but I'm very connected yeah so I'm interested because with opera we spend years training mm -hmm. and that's not to say that musical theater pop singers rappers don't also take training mm -hmm. but I'm curious what you feel the best advice you've ever gotten as a singer is and that could be technique wise or spiritual wise interpretation wise hmm. I would say probably maybe halfway through my undergrad a teacher said to me 
whatever like technical corner you get yourself stuck in in a performance you can always fix it on the next breath Mm. and I think that's probably like the most insightful advice that someone's ever said to me it also really applies to life too Mm -hmm. like you can really just think about something stop breathe and reset um and things will be better um but also like I was just like the singer that was really in their head about okay this has to be perfect technically and then the interpretation has to be perfect and I have to know every single word of this German poetry by heart and just really like over overthinking it all and that just allowed me to like kind of come back and realize like okay really I'm making art music that's hundred hundreds of years old and it is just like so inconsequential in a Mm. way so I just I can breathe and if something goes wrong the next note will be okay Mm -hmm. and a little bit that is part of the culture with opera we work so hard to make a sound that can be heard over the orchestra Mm -hmm. that is technically so refined that you can rely on it for hours at a time as Mm -hmm. you're singing for a long period of time Mm -hmm. and then I think it's easy to get in our head about okay, it has to be perfect. Everything has to be perfect. And then you have stylistic constraints where Baroque music, Renaissance music, classical, romantic period, they all have different things. And you take all this training, all of these classes where the teacher is a specialist in that style. Mm -hmm. They say, oh, that would be appropriate for Baroque, but not here or vice versa. (laughs) And so you're always feeling like everything needs to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't. You, You still get to interpret and give art to the community. And I think we just need to empower ourselves in any style to just be a little bit more forgiving and experimental absolutely and especially like beginner singers like you're a teacher Mm -hmm. too and I'm sure you see it all the time that students are always listening to themselves and that's a really hard habit to break I remember being in an audition Mm -hmm. and we got feedback from this audition afterwards and she said you need to stop listening to yourself (laughs) and I said what does that mean I'm not listening to myself like I have no idea what that means but basically what she was saying is that you're living in the past you're listening to your own sound coming out of your body and so Mm -hmm. you're not you know building the next steps you're not resetting your breath whatever Mm -hmm. you need to for the next phrase and beginner singers do this too where they're just judging it saying I don't like the way that sounds I said Mm -hmm. why are you listening to yourself you shouldn't be listening to yourself right yeah and so (laughs) it's a hard thing to do to stop listening to yourself but I think Mm -hmm. practicing with earplugs in can actually be helpful because then you have to rely on the way it feels yeah I ask students constantly like okay how did that feel and I feel like they even get tired of hearing it but it's so important to like go with a feeling and go with what feels good because yes. like you said, you'll never be happy if you just listen, listen, listen to yourself. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to hear you say that your favorite piece of advice is the next breath can reset it mm-hmm. because when you're singing, sometimes that breath is really fast. So mm-hmm. is there something you're thinking in your brain, like a trigger thought that helps you to reset, re-relax or do whatever you want to do? Mm-hmm. So actually, there's this is so nerdy, but I love Rachmaninoff. Okay. I think Rachmaninoff is like one of my favorite composers ever. And there's this art song of his where the text is "Zdes Hersho," which in Russian means "Here is beautiful." So I always, whenever I'm like in a stressful situation or whenever I'm like about to sing with orchestra or something, and my heart is racing a little bit, I try to like feel the feeling of my feet on the ground and think like "Zdes Hersho." This is like this moment is beautiful. Mm. and have that be like my reset thing and Mm. obviously I don't always have time like if you have a 16th to inhale like that's you have to do it much quicker than that Mm -hmm. but I try to just think like okay this is like I'm feeling my feet on the ground I'm feeling this support and just quick breath reset 
only this little section of music matters and then I'll breathe again and then that will be like behind me too. Mm. Yeah, I really like that because Mm -hmm. it's a word that has a very philosophical meaning to you and Mm -hmm. your body has a a very instant and strong response to it. Exactly, yeah. In the practice room, building the reaction you're looking for with that phrase, Mm -hmm. when you're in the practice room, building up to that capability of just resetting instantly, what were you practicing to get that sensation of release that eventually that word would come to represent? I would say like just the low breath. Really trying to always, whenever I inhale, try to have my previous breath be completely gone. And then I just did it. Sorry. Really, really low, low belly She's breath. singing right now. <laughs> singing this right is now. singing. Um, but yeah, I think getting that to happen at the same time that my jaw opens a little bit. Yeah. And then just feeling the cool air go back and hit the back part of my palate. Mm. So that prepares the breath. It prepares the jaw unlocking. I feel like we all have a tight jaw. Yeah. And then trying to set up the space for the vowel to happen. Mm -hmm. So that for me is just like, if all of those things can happen as quickly as possible, I'm ready to sing. Yeah. I really like that because it happens to everybody. We live in a society where it is about end gaining, about Mm -hmm. producing a result. And unfortunately that's ingrained in us from childhood because Mm -hmm. we're told, oh, that's, you know, a good project, but it's only a B. It's not perfect. You know, we're looking for right or wrong. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And it creates a lot of pressure to not just like have that freedom of experimentation. Mm -hmm. And when someone comes in for a, uh, a lesson, they're often thinking, subconsciously because they probably have never heard the phrase end gaining before Mm -hmm. but they're thinking okay I'm going to learn how to sing I'm going to do in this lesson but Mm -hmm. singing is a process of undoing undoing the tension from trauma from existence the way you Mm -hmm. use your body maybe you're a rock climber and you have a lot of tension through your traps like we have to undo all of that Mm -hmm. to get to the full coordination of you breathing And so the first lesson is often me saying, okay, well, we're going to try to get into your chest voice so you can take it out of your throat, Mm -hmm. but we might not even get there. And often Mm -hmm. we don't end up singing anything. We just practice me triggering the thoughts for them of allow your jaw to be loose and just like hang there dead Mm -hmm. because that's just so abnormal to people. Yeah. And then we're going to relax through your pelvic floor before you breathe in. Mm -hmm. And then, so I'm talking to them all through every step of their breath Mm -hmm. at the top of their inhale at the exhale so basically a very alexander technique approach but trying to get them into a coordination that becomes familiar enough that they could have a word like you do and Mm -hmm. think it to themselves and it will set off a trigger response of all these things releasing that's what we're looking for of course yeah i love that step by step that was like Mm. so well said yay (laughs) and makes it so much easier than just saying okay well i just do this right yeah so i think the 540 hours of alexander technique in seven years of university came in yeah. there. <laughs> sure. that's a really really good advice and another thing I want to ask you about because classical music is very competitive mm-hmm. so how do you keep a healthy relationship with singing have you ever found that it became maybe not the healthiest relationship for you of course yeah I feel like everyone at some point in opera school is just like so so competitive and it's like you can't even like yeah. listen to your colleagues sing because you're just like seething with all of the criticism that you've gotten and 
all of the mm-hmm. just all of that rolling around in the room so I totally sympathize with that mm-hmm. I think like for me when I when I first got to university I was like kind of just blown away by some of the training that some of my colleagues had already had I grew up in like a small town mm. and I was just like singing in choirs and wanted to sing early music I was like not even thinking about opera really when I started oh. um so when I got to university and some of my like same age colleagues were like already really thinking about opera and these roles and stuff that they wanted to sing I was like oh wow I there's a lot of things that I don't know Mm. so I was like in the practice room every morning at 7 a.m the lights would like click on when I would open the door like I would always be the first one Mm. um just like practicing when I knew that no one could hear me because wow. I was just like trying to cram in all of the stuff that I felt like I didn't have vocally mm. and technique wise and repertoire wise. So I did a lot of work in a like very short time. And then I feel like eventually, maybe nearing the end of undergrad, I was like, okay, there's kind of no such thing as the best person here. Hmm. Like there's someone that's the most suitable for every gig, for every role, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best. Mm-hmm. And like, as I go into like building my professional repertoire and building my experiences that I have with different ensembles and with orchestra and different companies, it's kind of like, yeah, there's no best person out there. There's someone who's a great colleague. There's someone who keeps getting hired back, but maybe they're not like the technically best singer ever. Yeah. So yeah, I think just realizing that like every singer has insecurities. Every singer is also like probably comparing themselves to other people and they have people who they would like hate to sing in front of because they would just feel so small Mm. and so insecure. So Mm -hmm. once I really like realized that, that definitely helped me to just not compare myself as much to others and to just try and like know that I'm driving in my lane and that other people are driving in their lane and maybe we're like working towards the same goal. Maybe we're at the same audition, but like really we're kind of on our own Mm -hmm. journeys Mm -hmm. separately. It's so cliche, but you really are your own competition uh, because in life it's like you're either going to go this direction or this direction. You could decide to push yourself this far and go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But if you decide that your life goal is my dream is to sing at the Met or at Carnegie Hall Mm -hmm. and I'm going to push myself to see how far in my life I can get towards that goal, Mm -hmm. then you're really just in competition with your own dream and how do I maneuver getting there yeah but the second we start seeing other people and thinking oh they're better than me oh I don't have such good technique they're Mm -hmm. more established in the industry then you completely negate your uniqueness and what you bring to the table yeah and I I always felt like I was never the best technical singer especially after my undergrad I felt that my teacher was an amazing singer but Mm -hmm. not the best teacher Mm -hmm. and by the end of my undergrad I honestly think I was a worse singer than when I started because mm. some days I didn't even want to talk. It hurt so much through my, oh my jaw. Gosh. Wow. It was, it was really painful. And mm-hmm. thank God I ended up uh, being accepted into a summer program. I think just like on the merit of the fact that I'd done the program before and they try to bring you back and mm-hmm. give you a slightly bigger role. Mm-hmm. And then I met who would become my master's degree teacher. Mm-hmm. And she saw that I was very, very gifted at making people feel something on stage Mm. with acting Mm -hmm. and so there was so many technique issues I'm telling you like (laughs) I did the lesson with her and she basically looked at me and was like 
there's a lot of problems here. Oh. And I, I just started crying. No. I was like, I know, but she was being honest yeah. too, which I don't think enough it's teachers important. are honest. Yeah. And it was not in that moment that she was like, you should come study with me. It was mm-hmm. after she saw me perform. And so if I had have decide, decided in that moment that like, okay, my technique is just not good. I'm not the best singer. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what I brought to the table. Mm-hmm. Then probably that whole summer program, I would have just been so defeated. I would have yeah. given up. She never would have seen what I did have to offer on stage and my mm-hmm. life journey would be totally different. Absolutely. So you right, you see the yeah. power of the way you communicate to yourself and are able to identify what's unique about me. What am I good at? Right. Yeah, yeah. that's so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even say you weren't the best singer and you weren't the best actor. I have so much admiration for people that jump into a new field and you see this a lot with adults that are like, "Okay, I want to be a singer. I want to see if I can do it." I mm-hmm. and I'm like, "What do you do?" And they say, "Oh, I'm an IT." Or I'm a writer. I'm like, so you've never sang before. Mm-hmm. Say, nope, but I really want to do it. Yeah. And they put the time in, they put the money in because it's an expensive journey. Of course, and yeah. I have so much admiration and just to see them getting better and putting mm-hmm. in the commitment as an adult, I think by that point, we have a lot of anxiety about doing something new and not being oh, the yes. best. Yeah. Like I just went and did the rock climbing course so I could mm. uh, belay people. Okay. I went and did it by myself <laughs> and you go to the rock climbing gym and there's people that are so good. You know, they like leap up the wall. And I had that moment of like, oh, oh no. my goodness, I'm a 29 year old woman and I'm like, I'm a beginner. And I felt really self-conscious for a moment. And that's so normal, but you just have to say, there's no rationality there. Like who actually cares that I'm new or that I'm taking the space in the world? I'm probably inspiring somebody else, Mm -hmm. especially when you get on stage for the first time as a new singer in any genre. Mm -hmm. There are so many people in the audience that would never even do that. They are so afraid. So you are inspiring. And I think that's really important to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You are like 10 steps ahead confidence mm-hmm. wise for yes. sure. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever had stage fright or how do you deal with that? I was definitely like a kid and teenager that had a little bit of performance anxiety. Mm. Luckily enough, I feel so grateful that I'm not someone who struggles a lot with that now. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, maybe like the moment when I figured out that everyone else was scared and that everyone else was like kind of faking it too. I feel like that really helped me to get into the like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> everyone like, is faking yeah, it. Literally everyone <laughs> is faking it. And I just was sort of like, okay, I'm going to have to do things when I'm scared if I want to get better at music. Yeah. And there are all these things that I really want to do. And if I keep saying like, oh no, I'm that's just not possible for me, then I'm never going to be able to get into the next step. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely like a helpful lesson for me. I feel like my mom gave me all of these like, kind of BS like advice about like (laughs) oh yeah just pretend you're really excited and it it will go away and like I think it's just like a personal journey that we go on and and you have to figure out how to make performance kind of like your safe space Mm -hmm. and be okay with that anxiety or that like adrenaline that's pumping through you Mm -hmm. and I think also like as kind of a shy person for me it's like I would never do a lot of the like outgoing things that I would do on stage in my personal okay. life. <laughs> like I feel like I kind of keep to myself a lot. I love, I'm a huge introvert. I love like a quiet night with a book. Mm. And so it's like, I can do that, but also I can just kind of take the anxiety that I'm feeling about performance and go and sing with orchestra and own that space as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned anxiety and I think, 
I've encountered a lot of people that their mental health really suffers as a musician because you have a lot of stressors there, right? Like if it's your full-time profession, you maybe are not making the most money. So you have financial Mm -hmm. issues. You have the competitive nature of the industry. You have a situation where you're really wanting yourself to improve, but it's not always a fast process. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel you handle your mental health as a singer? Yeah, that's so important. And I totally agree. Like it's, there are so many factors for singers and for just music, music artists in general, Mm -hmm. it's difficult. Um, I would say like for me, having hobbies is a really big thing. I try to like find something that I give myself permission to be bad at. Mm. And so lately it's been like watercolor painting. I (laughs) am like a horrible painter of watercolors, Okay, but I just do it when I'm when I'm like, I cannot work on singing anymore tonight. I cannot face the frustration of doing this again and having it not mm. work out. So then I can go like make mistakes elsewhere. Mm. And I think like a lot of people when they're trying, especially in the classical music world, trying to just do everything perfectly. And, you know, I had friends in undergrad that like wouldn't go to a party because they didn't want to mess up their voice or just being like, so strict in every aspect of their lives it's good to have a place where you can like kind of color a little bit outside of the lines in a Mm. constructive way. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been really good for me. Um, During my fellowship with the Association for Opera in Canada, all of the fellows were assigned to a life coach. It was mandatory. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that was actually a really cool experience just to like sit down with someone and be like, okay, like what can I do to sort of optimize the way that I'm dealing with the pressures of being in classical music? Yeah. Um, And that was just really it was so helpful and she made me aware of so many things that I was doing that hmm. I wasn't even like kind of aware share, of. You got to share a hot takeaway yeah. from that. I would say she was really big on journaling. And okay. so one of the prompts that she gave me is something that I now do like every night. Um, and the prompt is, what can I forgive myself for today? I like that. Yeah. So it can be like anything. It can be, I made a huge mistake in a rehearsal today and it was horrible and everyone probably thought I was like so unprepared or it can be like oh maybe I was a little harsh with my partner today or something like it can be any any aspect of your life yeah but I feel like for me it's like kind of like the breath thing I write that down I write my little thing that I am forgiving myself for Mm -hmm. and it's just like okay I'm done like I'm letting go of that I don't have to think about that for the rest of the night and yeah I was so grateful to hear like this prompt specifically I love that yeah I'm a huge RuPaul fan and RuPaul Mm. says if you can't love yourself how in the hell are you gonna love anybody else yeah with that journaling of what can I forgive myself for today you're basically practicing self-compassion and self-love yeah that then you would be more available to give to your partner or in your relationships mm-hmm. because if you're living in this state of chronic stress or depression you know maybe mm-hmm. your mental health isn't the best you're practicing just like finding that joie de vivre mm-hmm. that you can then give to other people and yeah. I believe in like karma that it all cycles mm-hmm. around but yeah I really like that yeah I think for me the biggest mental health thing with music was that I I was so hard on myself in terms of expectations of how good I needed to be at a certain point mm-hmm. that it completely killed the whole genre for me. Mm-hmm. And so I had to take a massive step away where I just stopped doing opera. And mm-hmm. my voice teacher in New York, he believes that if you can belt, you can sing opera. Like they're very yeah, cohesive. Absolutely. So just naturally I was doing a lot more like belting musical theater mm-hmm. pop. So I decided, okay, I'm not going to do auditions. I'm going to focus on building express voice studio, mm-hmm. but I still want to do performances for projects that I'm really um, interested in. Mm-hmm. And there was a French musical theater 
theater piece that went up. This was just before COVID. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I've never uh, had to do rehearsals in French before. Mm -hmm. And so the whole rehearsals were in French. So a lot of the times I was recording the rehearsals so that in case Mm -hmm. I didn't understand something, I could go back and get my French boyfriend (laughs) to like translate it for me. Um, But I picked up a lot too. And actually... Uh, just a side note, something the director said all the time was prends ta place. So like mm. take your space, take your place mm-hmm. as kind of a, not really directly translatable. Like, yeah, take your space and in English, you understand what it means, but like prends ta place is like really like take it mm-hmm. and make a courageous, crazy choice. Don't be afraid to be too mm-hmm. small. That's my side note of what I learned there. Mm. But so I took a step away from the genre and did more mm. musical theater. And I I loved it. I loved mm. that there was so much creative freedom that one day I could sing the piece very soft and vulnerable and the next day give it more power. Mm-hmm. And then together with the director, he was very receptive. Like, I like it that way. Mm-hmm. And there was just so much creative space to play around with it. Yeah. And slowly it brought me back to wanting to have that same attitude to opera. So I don't know if you're, in any genre and you're just feeling kind of dead inside about it (laughs) maybe go try singing a different genre and one that doesn't have all of those mental constraints for you yeah I think that's something that I've noticed a lot I've done a lot of new music lately Mm. and I've done a bit of like working with composers for world premieres and just performing their scores and it's so 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 restorative to just mm. get to be like you know what today I'm not doing it this way I'm doing it this <laughs> today way. I choose a different me yeah. and yes. today I choose a higher note or a lower note or something and <laughs> yeah. it, it just I was like wow this is still classical music for me this yes. is still the thing that I've loved since I was like four years old yeah but it's it's without you know if you sing Quando Men Vo, which is a really really famous opera from La Boheme which is a really 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 famous opera mm-hmm. um everyone and their dog in classical music has an opinion like about how that should be sung and exactly how every part of it should go and it was so yeah this year it's been so restorative for me to just work with a composer and get to be like part of the conversation Mm -hmm. about the work and Mm -hmm. then not have to just like live in these footsteps of of the genre and the specifics of each piece yeah and that's a takeaway for any genre of I'm I'm gonna play I'm gonna make Mm -hmm. a different choice there I'm not gonna worry about it being perfect the first time I try it even Mm -hmm. if you're in the recording studio and you're messing around with riffs or changing the song Mm -hmm. try not to judge it by oh I don't like the way that that sounds in terms mm-hmm. of your voice because maybe you just were making a creative choice in your brain and your technique was a little off because you were improvising mm-hmm. so if you like the pattern you created or the aesthetic then mm-hmm. just try to practice it into your body before you go back in and re-record like take yeah. that second to decide I like how I did that mm-hmm. let me just sing it a few times to feel how I want to support it or mm-hmm. nuance it and then re-record it mm-hmm. because at the end of the day it's you know maybe you can't do that in an opera rehearsal. You need to be prepared at that point, but you can do that in the practice room. Yeah. And then in other genres in the recording studio, your sound engineer and producer, they're all there as your team to make mm-hmm. the best songs with you. Mm-hmm. So you have to take your space yeah. place as an artist, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you're yeah. also a teacher. Yes. So give us just a little one, two about what you focus on with students in, in a lesson. And if I was someone looking for a teacher, what would you be that I would be looking for? Yeah, I think a lesson with me really focuses on sort of like the three main parts of singing that I think are the most important. So that's like having a good breath, giving yourself a space for it to resonate in. So that means vowels, trying to find vowels that are going to be conducive to whatever style you're hoping to sing. Mm. And then 
just a general understanding of what's going on in your throat in terms of the larynx <laughs> and the vocal cords. I yes. don't need you to name the muscles or anything like that, but sometimes we feel what's happening, like how the larynx tilts forward, how it comes down, ways that you can be more relaxed mm. in that sense. And I think that is so important. And just working with the chest voice, working with how that can relate to the rest of the voice mm-hmm. is so important no matter like what you want to sing. I totally agree. And there's kind of the thought that students have that, oh, I don't want to learn opera, so I shouldn't mm-hmm. work with an opera singer. What do yeah. you think about that? I think that you shouldn't think that. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm super biased, um, but I promise like I don't listen to classical music when I'm like relaxing. Like I, I yeah. listen to all of the pop music that everyone else is listening to. That's what I'm dancing around my kitchen to. I'm being influenced by all of these styles. And so I'm not like living in an opera cave. Mm-hmm. And I think like sometimes people think that about opera singers that they just only listen to classical music to, in every part of their lives. Mm-hmm. So like oftentimes when I am listening to these things, I'm thinking about like, oh, okay, what could a different vowel do for this person in this recording even like really popular artists or like yeah what could a little bit slightly different phonation do in that vowel for this artist mm-hmm. like what effect would that have what emotional impact would that have on how, like what's being conveyed in the song mm-hmm. and so I think it's just like you are learning tools to make sure that every time you sing it's what you want instead of perhaps like kind of being more spontaneous and then seeing what comes out. So I think it's like a a teacher with a background in opera is going to be able to give you like prescribed set of like steps. Technique wise. Technique wise. Yeah. That's going to be really helpful. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure like, like singers of other genres amaze me all the time and like different like ways that they might explain exactly what we're doing in opera is so cool to me. So I love to hear like what, what ways other teachers would like describe the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. But I think like if you're a person who like really like opens a cookbook, makes a recipe and is always like loyal to that, like a teacher who's studying at opera is going to be just providing you like, this is exactly what you should feel. This is exactly how you should do it in a way that is, I think really helpful. Yeah. It's the most intensive study of technique, what we do. So I always say to people that I understand, you know, the genre that you want to focus on is this, but mm-hmm. you're telling me that you're, you're a beginner mm-hmm. or that you're having serious technical issues. Like you notice your throat is really tight or your yeah. voice is cracking somewhere. Then you shouldn't be worrying about what genre the teacher comes from. You should mm-hmm. be asking, are they a master of technique? And I really feel that opera singers and a lot of very, very good musical theater singers mm-hmm. have a very good foundation in breath, in connecting and your vocal cords coming together, mm-hmm. eradicating air and things that can cause uh, physical harm to you, like nodes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, no, you don't need to be looking to sing opera to work with an opera teacher, mm-hmm. but uh, I just feel like that's important for the people to know. Yes. I'm glad we <laughs> talked about that because I, I feel like I'm always like, I know that I'm in opera land and that that might seem completely out of touch to you, mm-hmm. but I promise like, it's, relatable. it's relatable. It's relatable. And I'm thinking about the same things that you are about, you know, what Billie Eilish does or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm always <laughs> analyzing Billie Eilish. Yeah. Always analyzing. Yeah. That was really great to have you on the show, Nicole. Yeah, of so course. can people follow you on social media? Do you have any upcoming gigs? Yeah. I am deep in the depths of audition season right now, <laughs> yes. but you can follow up on what I'm doing gig wise at NicoleRossSoprano.com. Okay. 
Um, I'm on Instagram. Yes. I don't even know it? what my Instagram handle is. I think it's Nicole.a.ross. I think so. I think it is. I follow you. Um, I think it yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, most of my professional stuff is on my website. Amazing. Um, recordings there. Yeah. Little, Good. Little like reflections on different gigs and stuff. I love it. And yeah. if you want to know more, you should go to expressvoicestudio.com. We can hook you up with lessons with Nicole and you can also sign up for our newsletter where we'll put out any future performances that she is in. Yay. Thanks, Nicole. Yeah. Of course. Thank you.